Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on March 1st, 2015 on the basis of Jeremiah chapter 26, verses 8 through 15. So in my six and a half years of ministry, an interesting question has come up from time to time. Sometimes it's when I'm talking with other pastors. Sometimes the people in the churches that I've served bring it up. And the question is this. Can I picture a day in our country when something that I would say as a pastor from the pulpit would put me at risk of arrest, trial, imprisonment, or even death? I have to tell you, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about that question, and yet I suppose it's a legitimate question to ask. More and more, the morals of our society and the morals of God's word are drifting further and further apart. More and more clearly proclaiming what God's word says is quickly labeled as discriminatory or even hateful. More and more extreme, violent pockets of Islam are growing bolder and more powerful as they seek to carry out their purposes. And so... Can I envision a day when when the message of Christianity would put my life at risk? Like I said, I suppose it's a fair question, not just for me as a pastor, but for any Christian, for anyone who would hold to the truths of God's word. And yet this morning I wanted to ask just a slightly different question. Actually, it's the same exact question with just one twist. And that question would be this. Can I envision a day when I would say, when something that I would say as a pastor would put me at risk of arrest, trial, imprisonment, even execution by you guys at your hands? You would never do that, would you? That one seems a little bit more far-fetched, I would agree, and yet that's exactly what is going on in the Word of God in front of us this morning. God's man, God's messenger, Jeremiah, is arrested, put on trial, and threatened with death by God's people, by the churchgoers. In fact, even more surprisingly, it's actually the government we'll find out, that comes to his rescue, that makes sure that he is set free and kept safe. So what happened? Why were the people so angry with what Jeremiah had said? And if the same sermon were preached to us, would we be just as angry? How are we going to respond when God says to us the very same message that he delivered through his prophet Jeremiah? The message that when it comes to all that we hold near and dear in life, nothing is safe. That's essentially the theme of the sermon that Jeremiah had just finished preaching prior to these verses that are in front of us. You see, God had sent Jeremiah up to the temple, up to the place where all of God's people gathered for worship, and he had told Jeremiah to deliver a very urgent and very unpleasant message. That message was this, repent or this temple and this city will be destroyed. 
Now, it's a little bit tough for us to appreciate or even understand why that message would have made God's people so angry. You see, that temple, Solomon's temple, was much more than just a beautiful building. It was much more than just a costly building. This was the place, this was the location where God met with his people. This building came to symbolize God's love for them and God's presence in their lives. This building came to symbolize everything that they stood for, everything that they took pride in, both politically and religiously. And that beautiful building, Solomon's temple, had stood on that hill undisturbed, uninterrupted for 400 consecutive years. And so Jeremiah probably could have announced any other form of God's judgment and they would have been just fine with it. Drought, famine, invasion, God had done it all before. But now Jeremiah was standing there in the temple saying, unless you repent, nothing, not even your beloved temple is safe. And that's where they drew the line. That's why as soon as Jeremiah wrapped up that sermon and said, Amen, they rushed toward him, they seized him, and they demanded his life. Again, I have to ask, you would never do that to me, would you? I'm kind of banking on it this morning. I suppose the first question we should ask is, does God really have the same message for us today that he had for his people back then? We might quickly point out, we don't have a temple the way that they did. We don't have a specific building that God told us to build, one specific place where God tells us to worship. We don't have a specific message from God that says, unless you do this specific behavior, this specific consequence will follow. And yet the basic message that Jeremiah preached to those people, the message that nothing is safe, is a message that God still wants us to hear today. You see, just like the people in Jeremiah's day, it's very easy for us to equate certain visible earthly things with God's love for us and God's presence in our lives. Things that we simply assume are off limits. What might those things be in your life? For younger people, it might be your social life might be the friendships that you make or the romances that you start. It might be the things that you can accomplish in the classroom or on the court or on the stage. For those of us in our middle years, it might be the career that we've worked hard to achieve, the house that we've purchased, our health, the health of our children. For those in your later years, maybe it's a legacy that you've tried to build. Maybe it's the love and respect of the children that you've raised. Maybe it's the companionship of the spouse that you've spent so many years with. Is there a thing or a set of things that you have come to identify and equate with God's love for you and God's presence in your life and therefore have concluded are off limits? I'm assuming none of us think that life as a child of God is going to be completely easy. Right? We know that we live in an evil world and we know that at times that evil is going to invade our lives. But I'm guessing there's also a place where we would like to draw the line. 
where we'd like to say to God, you can take anything else, but not this. This is off limits. And if so, how do we respond when God delivers this message to us, the message that nothing is safe? You heard the Apostle Paul encourage us today to not set our mind on earthly things, to not set our hearts on anything in this life, to not live with our stomachs as our gods. Jesus told his disciples over and over again that if they were going to follow him, they would need to be willing to give up the entire world, including their own lives. And so, yes, this is a message that God still wants us to hear, and maybe it's even a message that you've seen play out in real life. So again, how do we respond? Maybe you won't run up to the front and throw me in handcuffs. But it sure is easy to get angry with God at times, isn't it? It's, angry, it's easy to express our displeasure with God by simply taking our time and our energy elsewhere. In fact, our time is so precious, our energy so limited that we rarely like to spend those things on things that aren't going to bring us something in return. And maybe when we hear that, that following God, that being a child of God is going to bring us difficulty and suffering, maybe we're tempted to think, well, then I'll just take my time and, and find something else to do. Sure is easy to become upset with God over the very same message that got Jeremiah arrested by God's people, the message that nothing, nothing in our lives is safe. Like I said, it's, it's even more strange that God's people would get so upset. It's even, it's even more strange than that, that it was the government, the officials who came to his rescue and made sure that Jeremiah was kept safe. You see, they heard all of this commotion going on in the temple and they quickly rushed from the palace to the temple courts. They grabbed Jeremiah away from the angry mob. They sat him down and right there in the temple courts, they convened a trial. Let's get to the bottom of this. Toward the end of chapter 26, we find out that Jeremiah was found not guilty. He was let go. He was set free. He lived to preach another day. And yet what's found in these verses, the remaining verses that are in front of us today, is not so much the verdict of Jeremiah's trial, but Jeremiah's defense. You see, now it was time for Jeremiah to put his money where his mouth was. It was time for Jeremiah to put into practice the message that he had been proclaiming because now his life was on the line. Would he back down? Would he soften his stance? Would he rewrite his sermon? No, Jeremiah only reaffirmed the message that he had delivered from God. He reasserted the fact that that message had come from God and that it was a message that God wanted them to deliver. In fact, even with his own life on the line, Jeremiah was more concerned about God's people than he was about saving his own skin. He repeated his urgent call to repentance. He said, reform your ways and your actions and obey the Lord your God. Even as God's people were trying to bring his life to an end, he showed nothing but love and concern for them. But you know, I, shouldn't, I suppose it shouldn't surprise us that God's prophet would show that kind of selfless concern. Because the God for whom Jeremiah worked 
shows you and me exactly that same concern. In fact, the time would come where God would have to put his money where his mouth was, where God would have to put into practice this message that he had been proclaiming, the message that nothing is safe. 600 years after this, that temple that stood in Jerusalem for so long had been leveled to the ground years ago. 600 years later, there was another temple standing there in its place. This time, not a temple built out of brick and mortar, not a temple covered in gold, but a temple made out of human flesh and blood. God made his dwelling with man in his son Jesus Christ, a living, breathing, walking, talking temple of God. And you would think that if anything was safe, if anything was off limits, it would be Jesus. For everything that God would be willing to do to save us from our sin, certainly you would think Jesus would be safe. And yet 600 years later, and nothing more than a stone's throw from where all of this occurred, God stuck to his guns. God put his money where his mouth was. God put into practice the message that he was proclaiming here. And God's own son, God's dwelling among men on earth, was destroyed on a cross made out of wood. And his lifeless body was laid in a tomb. You see, friends, much more than God wants a life of perfect ease and happiness for us right now, God wants a life of eternal perfection for us in heaven. And in that relentless desire, that unquenchable thirst for our salvation, nothing is safe. Not even God's own dear son. So how do you suppose that impacts us and affects us as we see that same principle applied in our lives, as we realize that even what we hold nearest and dearest is not safe in this life? It certainly does hurt at times, doesn't it, when we lose something that we hold so dear? It certainly hurts God as well. At one point, someone compared God allowing us to suffer and God permitting evil in this world to the difficult task that parents sometimes have to do for their children. In fact, this is a difficult task that, that I had the opportunity to do recently. Our youngest daughter split open her chin, needed a few stitches, and I had that unfortunate job of holding her head in place as the doctor did his work. Thankfully, I knew that she wasn't in a whole lot of pain, and yet that didn't make it any easier for me to look into her eyes as she was looking up at me, screaming, Daddy, why are you doing this to me? Probably a pretty good picture for how our Father in Heaven feels when He sees us suffer. It absolutely kills Him, and yet He permits it because He knows there is a higher purpose and he's trying to accomplish something far greater in our lives. Christian author C.S. Lewis once said that God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our conscience, and he shouts to us in our pain. He said that pain is like God's megaphone 
to try to rouse a deaf world. See, there is nothing more important for us to remember and nothing that is easier to forget than that we live in a broken world, that it's our fault it's broken, and that God made us for a different life, not for this one. And nothing teaches those important lessons, nothing reinforces them for us quite like suffering does. And so even though it kills him, God continues to apply this principle that nothing is safe. And friends, it's only knowing that that can cause us not to have this false expectation of an easy life as a child of God. It's only knowing that that can cause us not to get angry with God or question his wisdom when evil knocks on our door. It's only that that can cause us to actually Rejoice as God carries out this message in our lives, the message that nothing is safe. We saw it in the life of our Savior Jesus. God continues to apply it in our lives as well because when it comes to our salvation, when it comes to eternity with God, God will do whatever it takes. Amen. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.